Hey, you're back here on Mining Stock Daily. We are going to kick off uh, with the end of Monday here with some market commentary. Happy to welcome in good friend of mine, good friend of yours, Mr. Rob Sin, Mr. CEO Technician. Rob, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a little bit. Hey, Trevor. Yes, it has been two or three months, uh, and this is the first time I'm doing your video format. So <laughs> you got to see my face while I speak. That's right. That's right. But however, it doesn't do you justice because you don't get the full, you don't get the full extent. <laughs> you just get the broad shoulders. You don't get the full <laughs> expanse of me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the system just isn't big enough. Uh, Rob, let's, uh, let's, let's kind of talk into, let's, let's dive into some, some macro here. We had some jobs data come out last week. Thursday ADP. I don't think anybody ever paid any attention as much as they did to ADP data until they did this past Thursday, where payrolls came in more than double the expectations. Uh, bond yields crashed. I mean, they went, I, excuse me, people were selling off bonds, so the yields went higher. The equity market fell, the dollar fell, gold and precious metals fell. I mean, it was kind of an ugly day here. It gave it gave a little bit of ammunition for that Fed to say, we're going to continue to raise rates. Then we knew it was going to happen. And then Friday, the non-farm payrolls came in. I think a little, a lot more people give more clout to the NFPs. Um, and, and that showed some more cracks in the system. Uh, however, there's still a little bit lost. People are trying to find a reason to buy the dips in the general market. I guess given the extent of those two days, how are you approaching these these markets and that data and what you witnessed? Well, um, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot to talk about there. Um, the way I approached the market Friday morning was being long gold miners, uh, being long gold, uh, you know, like immediately after the print, uh, and then getting long, you know, some S and P futures, uh, and that and that worked very well. I mean, I, I think. The print coming in at 209 with, uh, you know, revisions to the prior two months totaling minus 110,000. That, that's a Goldilocks, uh, you know, number for stocks. It's a good, it's a good print for gold too, because it, 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 it shows that the labor market is rebalancing. Um, it may still be tight, but it's not super overheated, right? So I think it's a, it was a perfect, print for stocks and, and certainly you know we saw s ps trading around 44 uh 35 44 40 on the futures ramped over 44 70 throughout the session um and gold you know hanging on above 1930 but still having trouble getting back above above 1940 and that's something you know we could talk about as well the technical uh you know picture for, for gold and silver yeah, uh, it's interesting. I think I bookmarked a t tweet from Steph Pomboy. It was pretty interesting. You can go back to her Twitter account to, to read this. But she, uh, regarding the NFP, she wrote, are we about to go from labor hoarding to labor shedding? Uh, we're starting to see cracks here, obviously. But it's interesting with the NFPs, that white collar jobs, those are the, the those are the industries that are cutting jobs where they're uh, Blue-collar jobs are the ones gaining jobs along with services, actually, Rob. So, you know, you've been around with a couple cycles, and I've asked I've asked previous guests this last week, so I'll ask you. You know, 
what what's really going on here when when services blue collar jobs are gaining momentum while the white collar workforce is is the you know not the the it's getting cut and we're seeing more cuts from that what does that mean for you in a cycle here i mean i feel like it's getting towards the end of the cycle um because when you have the $20 an hour kind of jobs um, being, you know, quite available and anybody sort of at the lower end of the pay spectrum can get a job if they want to, you know, even if it's driving for, you know, Lyft or something. Uh, But people aspire to higher salaries and higher wages, right? Um, Everybody wants to be paid more. So it's almost impossible to find any level of quality employee for less than $20 an hour now. And even a lot of places are having to pay 25 to 30. And then if you want skilled labor, like a programmer or something, or you're talking $100 an hour, $150 an hour. Um, and so I think it, we're, you know, we're seeing um, businesses and sectors of the economy like finance, like big banks shedding some of the higher paying jobs as they uh, right size their cost structure to this new environment that we're in where, you know, money is no longer completely free. It costs, mm-hmm. costs a little bit. Um, it's not super expensive, but it's definitely not free anymore like it was in 2021. And I think, you know, if you look at the, the payrolls, I mean, just look at the chart of non-farm payrolls the last few years. So beginning in, in, late 2020, they started to really surge as the economy picked back up again. Uh, we peaked in February of 2022. So this economy is definitely readjusting. We're way, way off the highs in labor and inflation. And it, it, it's, it feels to me like things are normalizing again. And it would be interesting to see the CPI print next Wednesday where, you know, if we think back to last summer, the exact same month of the year, we had that really scary print of 9.1% on CPI that freaked everyone out. Well, that turned out to be a major inflection point uh, in a lot of things. And I believe that next week, we're likely to see the CPI print less than 4% for the first time since 2021. Um, And yeah, the Fed may hike one more time here in a couple weeks i guess it's priced in at this point but i really think they're done and they they're going to talk a big game they're going to keep saying more needs to be done on inflation but if we get to five and a half percent that's the highest fed funds rate in uh two decades three decades right and they'll then be above the headline cpi by more than 150 basis points, and they'll even be above the core CPI then. So the Fed will be in a uh, you know restrictive monetary policy stance, a very uh, you know restrictive one. And while the data picture is mixed overall, the trend is down. You know the trend is down in a lot of the data you know we see out there across the economy. Rob, the ultimate battle right now is between the bond market. In the equity market, 
uh, and something's got to give here. Either the bond market isn't right or the equity market isn't right, given where rates are right now. I tend to believe that uh, the equity market perhaps isn't correct because I don't. there's only about nine stocks that are uh, cumulatively are carrying about 30% of the market here. That's way too leveraged to a very small amount of the of equities that are carrying this thing the the two year went back over five last week uh you know we'll see it 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 doesn't it it it, so we'll see where that has the the 10 year and the 30 year obviously hitting major resistance it looks like yields want to go higher uh based on the data uh, but that means something's got to give in the equity market do you have obviously i'm explaining my reasons for concern inequities. Do you share the similar sentiment? You know, I'm a, you know, I'm a technician first and foremost. And while I can talk, you know, fundamentals with, you know, a lot of people and I can talk macro and I do think about the, you know, macro, I I use technicals first and foremost, the technicals of this stock market environment have improved drastically the last few months. A lot of people were bearish back in April and May got caught wrong footed and I just got to, I got to ride the trend here. A lot of stocks continue to set up. We're seeing chart patterns work. Finally, chart patterns that haven't worked well the last year are starting to work again. Um, so it's a question of whether you want to be right or make money. I'd rather make money. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I think about what, you know, we were in March, we had a regional banking crisis. We had one of the largest banks in the world essentially fail and get gobbled up. And now we're in this Goldilocks where we had a Fed speaker, you know, this morning say, quote unquote, I feel like we are on a golden path of avoiding a recession. So it's just like, it's too good to be true almost. Um, But when is the reality going to hit? I don't know. It's really hard to time it. Um, But it does seem like it's too good to be true. But I mean, as long as it's working, you got to go with what's working, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about the exploration sector here, Rob. You spent some time in Nevada recently, did a couple site visits. Uh, you talked about going long gold here uh, as in the last couple of days. Uh, let, so what is your general, you know, what are you observing out of this sector that's just been so beat up over the last, like, I guess you could say a year and a half now. It's just been really tough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's put that into a few different parts. So let's talk, talk gold and silver technicals first. Um, so like the daily time frame, you, you could still interpret that gold and silver are forming potential bearish flag patterns on the daily chart. Uh, silver needs to get a weekly close above 24 to, you know, avoid that pattern. Um, and then gold needs to really get above 1940. We've seen gold test 1940, like, I don't know, like three times in the last two weeks. And it's been, you know, rejected each time that it's gotten up to 1940. So we really need to see gold get above that 1940. Uh, the gold miner charts generally look pretty damn ugly. You know, Newmont also, you could say that's a bear flag forming. Um, and then I put out a blog last week talking about seasonality. I mean, I feel like we are starting to get into the time of year where seasonal tailwinds pick up for the gold miners, but maybe we're not 
exactly there yet. Might need to wait a few more weeks, maybe till early August. Um, although I will say this month of the year historically is the strongest month for silver. Um, hmm. We've got we've got a little bounce in silver off the 200-day moving average, but like I said, bigger picture, this could still be interpreted as a bearish pattern that that, that silver is forming. Really needs to break out above uh, that $24 level. As far as the exploration sector goes, sentiment is bleak. Um, it's it's close to the worst I've ever seen it. Um, I will say that I am still a bit optimistic. A lot of companies are out in the field doing exploration work, a lot of programs going on right now. Uh, I feel like we're going to get some new you know, discoveries in the sector here this summer. And really, that is the lifeblood of the junior mining sector. You know, it's about exploration. It's about, you know, making wealth where wealth did not exist, uh, you know, previously with a new discovery, you know, in the ground, right? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like the sector is really set up for that here in the second half of, of 2023. And valuations have rarely been lower for most of the sector. And I think that just simply has to do with the fact that the cost of capital has gone up a lot in the last year. And investors are concerned about the prospects of companies having to finance at some point, you know, later in the year. And they'd rather just wait it out, you know. And I think you've brought this up a few times in your podcast in, in recent weeks that, well, if you can get five and a quarter percent just keeping your money in short-term, you know, high-yield accounts, then why are you going to take risk in something that you could lose like 50% on in a few weeks, right? And so I think we're seeing definitely a big shift in investor psychology to being more, you know, adverse to risk. And at the end of the day, the junior mining sector is a risk-on sector. You know, we can talk about gold and silver all day long, but at the end of the day, it's a speculative sector that does well when the dollar is weaker, the cost of capital is lower, right? Right. And something is going to have to happen that brings or welcomes that capital back into the sector. I mean, there have been a few names out there uh, within exploration and development that continue to uh, see buying. I mean, they're more on kind of the <laughs> polymetallic copper precious metal plays that have shown really good drill results and exploration work. They're few and far between the other, the rest of the market here, Rob. But you just kind of wonder if it's going to be a macro event or even just like a single maybe discovery or, or massive news event that shows really what incredible wealth generation can come from this sector that brings money back in. You know, is it going to be one news event from a specific company, a discovery maybe? that really opens the doors back into junior mining. I'm not quite sure. But on the other side, I'm also hearing news from other companies that are closing doors on projects. They've started drill results. They haven't hit what they wanted. And they're taking their capital and saving it until the market improves. So for as much as good exploration work is happening right now, despite the markets, there are companies out there choosing not to spend the money. So it's uh, yeah, it's that's a, a 
Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I haven't heard that yet, but it's interesting to hear you say that. And I kind of anticipated that that's probably going to happen at some point here this summer. Companies that maybe are under $2 million in the Treasury that have, that have a weak share price, you know, just say, hey, let's pack it up and live to fight another day. Uh, we don't want to run the Treasury down to zero and, and, and have to put a gun to our heads to, to, to raise capital, right? Um, and to be frank, that's what happened in 2015, uh, the summer of 2015, and the sector bottomed three or four months later and had a fantastic run in the first half of 2016. So hearing that companies are packing it in and in survival mode, that's a contrarian indicator. It's not a perfect timing indicator, but it's sort of, lines up with a lot of other things I'm seeing that, that sentiment is, is pretty washed out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll see, see how this fall plays out into the winter, but, uh, Rob, we'll be touching base again here in the coming weeks. So I'm great. heading to the Yukon, Trevor. Oh, yes. The, on oh, the Yukon here. trip. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Our Paul Harris will also be attending. So who so are you, we'll talk, uh, who, who, who are you going to be seeing? Who, what's on the schedule, Rob? Uh, I don't know. I think Banyan, White Gold, Fireweed. I think there might be a Snowline visit or flyover. Um, yeah, the the you know usual suspects up in the Yukon. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that'd be fun. We'll probably be reporting, hopefully getting some reports from that trip as well. Uh, Rob Sin, CEO Technician, thanks so much for your time. Safe travels. Appreciate you. Thank you, Trevor. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.